And so it's probably the most uh, anticipated ride of the year. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 35 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Yes! All right, we made it to number 35, Christine. High five to that! Kapow! Thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you, Christine, for being here on episode number 35. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on episode 35 with us. Oh my gosh, you act like I'm not your co-host. You're a goofball today. Of course. It's crazy, because today happens to be Saturday, and I, what time is it now? What, what time is it today? Is it, uh, is it even noon yet? Uh, it's 12.26. 12.26 in the afternoon. Which is like a whole 10 hours earlier from what we normally record, because the kids have learned how to entertain themselves so that we can record some snippets of the podcast during daylight yeah we're doing this podcast during the daylight hours and we usually usually just record at night when the kiddos are asleep it's kind of been our thing when you got kids and if you try doing a podcast you kind of have to like wait for the prime hours to actually do it if you've gotten zoom meeting calls you got to do you know what i'm talking about right christine right exactly and one of the things that chris and i have been talking about is when we work best and when we get the most irritable. And we have determined that I, Christine, get the most irritable after the hour of 8 p.m. And so we're testing out some new approaches to podcasting to see if it helps us keep a happy, healthy, calm, chaos-free household by podcasting during the daylight hours. Right, Chris? Yeah, right. And also it frees up our evenings to do more family activities because if you guys don't know, behind the scenes, like Saturday nights, sometimes Sunday nights, but mostly Saturday nights are pretty much filled with just podcasting and podcasting stuff. Right, which takes away from being able to have a little bit more flexibility in the evening time because we want to get the kids back, get them to bed on time. It sometimes impacts being able to do movie night. And that's the thing is podcasting is a way that Chris and I connect in our relationship because um, with our schedule with kiddos, we have little ones um, and teenagers around every weekend. And so what that means is on our days off, we have uh, little people around us, so we don't really get time alone. And so what we're trying to do is be more intentional about carving out time for each other especially since we're together all the time now, right? Right. And also we had to carve out time, especially for the podcast meetings we're going to start doing. Have our little window of time. Remember that, Christine? You said uh, uh, podcasting can only be discussed between (laughs) these hours of this and that. And that is it. Okay. You make me sound like I'm some type of dictator. But actually, uh, one thing that I don't know if I've shared this before, but I go to therapy And I think that it's a really healthy thing to do. It's like maintenance therapy. It helps me process through work stresses and things like that. And one of the things that my, I call her like my thinking partner because she really does help me think through things. Um, And when I'm not showing up as my best self for Chris and in our relationship, I try to troubleshoot with her where that came from. And so this week I was reflecting on my extreme irritability and. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Be nice. Be nice, Chris. We're on the air. Okay. Um, but I was reflecting on my extreme irritability, and we were kind of diagramming out where it, it might have stemmed from. And so one of the things that we surfaced is when I'm extremely tired, um, because I really 
and blurring the lines between work and life or work and family life right now is how to start having better scheduling and pockets of time for myself. So Chris is on this experiment with me over the next week to try and have a little bit of a cleaner schedule about when I do my regular work, when we do podcast work, and how we intentionally plan time for family and each other separate from podcasting. And so this is one of our aspects of our experiment, right, Chris? Absolutely. And Christine, I don't know if you notice this, but right now as I'm listening to you talk, I do get a more of an energetic vibe from you coming off right now. Do you guys hear that too? Because I hear Christine is like full of energy. She's full of life. I am. I am a daytime person. Uh, I do sometimes stay up a little bit late till like 1130 or midnight. But if I do that, then I drag the next morning. And so what I tried out last night, because I knew we were going to podcast, I was hoping we'd do it during the day is I was in bed. By 1045, lights out by 1115, and then I set an alarm clock to wake me up at 7 this morning because I had scheduled time to get a project done for school. It was my last project of the semester. And so we know that the kids, uh, Jacob and Mason, come back from their mom's house between 930 and 945 on Saturday mornings. And so my pocket of time while Chris is sleeping and while I'm kid-free is two hours and 45 minutes to get stuff done for myself. And then I showered and when the kids showed up, I was ready to go and you were up and we had coffee and I love it. I love it so much. And we discussed a little bit of podcasting talk. Uh, sorry, over coffee. Over coffee. It's like our coffee wake up, um, you know, look at different things, discuss ideas. Like I'll have these brilliant ideas and Christine too. Like this morning, she had a brilliant idea about the podcast. Thank you. And uh, we'll share with you guys later once we figure it all out because, uh, you know, because of our legal department. <laughs> <laughs> but once we get that figured out, Christine's going to have this brilliant, brilliant, fun thing for you guys to uh, participate in and it's going to be fantastic. Right. But what happened, the reason that that productivity is able to happen is because we are figuring out how to create a better flow in our household because like so many other people, uh, one of us, not both of us, but one of us is working from home and we have opposite schedules. So I work from home and my hours are uh, eight to five during the daytime Chris's work hours, he leaves at 2.30 p.m. and he gets home anywhere from 1 to 3.30 a.m. And so his prime time is when I'm kind of winding down. winding down. And so that's one of the things that we've had to figure out is how do we help to protect that time when I'm winding down and he's gearing up so that we don't end up accidentally triggering each other um, because me you know, being tired and him being amped up. It's a recipe for disaster. So we're working on it, right? Yeah, speaking of which, uh, what time do we usually record? Like, what's the latest we've actually gone doing a podcast? Do you remember? Yeah. So lately, we've been starting anywhere between 9 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. And that's starting recording. That's like starting setting stuff up. Let's, let's hit record. Let's give it a run through. And then we'd finish probably close to 12.30. Right. Sometimes 1.30 in the morning, which then <laughs> leaves us tired the next morning and oh, irritable. Yeah. And so... You you know, it's just always I think this is a good lesson for um, for us and for anybody that is listening to think through whatever your hobbies are and your interests are is to have a conversation around uh, scheduling. And the way that I have the question that I keep asking for myself is when am I my best version of myself and when I'm when am I the most full of energy? And it's like 10 a.m. until three or 
3.30 p.m., I'm like optimal high energy. And the other time... Full throttle, Christine. Right. And then earlier than that and later than that, I can still think and process. But if you get like more than two hours outside of that kind of wind down or gear up window, like if we're at 6 to 8 a.m. or at like 6 to 8 p.m. or later, it's just... Well, I I think for me personally, even though I work a night shift, I'm not necessarily a night person. I'm more optimal during the middle of the day, I would say. Probably 1 p.m., I would say, in that range. Mm-hmm. Like right now, probably, because I love the daylight. And even though I work at night, and I guess I can handle it at night. But let me tell you, when it gets around midnight, I like hit a hit a wall of tiredness. And it's like I need my second, third trip cup of coffee or or whatever red bull whatever it is especially yeah. if they send me out really far they, they send me out to the desert which is like uh, i don't know uh, it's a six hour turnaround drive wise and they send me out late oh my goodness coming back i've had to like slap myself in the face uh many times right. windows down just to make it back home because it's so tired because i get tired i don't like i said even on my days off i'll go to bed at a normal like fairly normal right we try to get to bed before midnight as much as possible around midnight or whatever mm-hmm. but some of the guys i work with that work night shift they'll they'll said they stay up like the entire night they on keep the, their regular schedule right, on their yeah. days off they'll stay up till four in the morning or three in the morning i said, well, I said what are you doing that what three in the morning there's nothing open you, you can't go anywhere <laughs> you get especially now everything's closed but when things were open um i mean what are you gonna be buying you can't go to home depot at midnight what, right. are, you, what are you gonna be doing right and I think that's just an important factor for me to know, too, is, you know, I, I always keep the house really quiet as much as possible when you're first waking up. And it's been, you know, this week it's been harder because the kiddos started remote learning for school and their classroom time is from 9 to 10 a.m. And when you're working, you typically don't get out of bed until like 1030. Now you did wake up earlier. You have been waking up earlier the last couple of days. I think it's a heat. We're getting this huge heat wave here in San Diego. It was like 90 or 85. It feels like summer. I'm Yesterday sh- it was 95. Uh, I hate to brag uh, everybody, but I'm wearing shorts and not even have shoes on. T- I know. <laughs> t-shirt shorts. Christine's got t-shirt short. No, no shoes on. Tank top. Tank top. It's like air conditioning is on. Wow. It's yeah. Hot. And so... Um, this afternoon, what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the kids having a successful first week of online learning. It was really hard in our household and the boys switch households on Tuesday afternoons. And so we were setting everything up on the front end of the week and getting their schedule written out so they could find success at the back end of the week and coordinating between the two households. But we got news from uh, the other household that Mason, our littlest one, oh yeah, what? yeah, he had the greatest amount of progress on his online learning app. It's called iReady. It's for reading and math out of the entire second grade. Wow! And he spent the most hours dedicated to it, and that was part of our schedule was trying to get him on track with his rhythm. And so, um, one of the things that we're going to do with um, the two little ones is take them for a drive with the top down on the convertible. All right. That sounds so exciting. Get the convertible, get Chantelly out, and put the top down on Chantelly. And that, I love driving around in the convertible. I know. And especially like a day like today. I know. And I think that even though the beaches are closed, um, as long as we don't stop, um, because that's the thing is we can have the top down. And as long as we're not close to other people, we're safe, they're safe. And we won't put the top down on the freeway, but 
I think that maybe we could go drive along some of the beaches and have a nice view of the ocean. I mean, it's a beautiful day. We can maybe even pack some water bottles. Do you think I should get out the old, bust out the old GoPro? I have a couple GoPro cameras. I haven't used those in years, but I used to use them years. all. Years. You're so funny. No, I'm seriously. Months. It's been, a, well, maybe months, but it's been a while. I've got like, what, two or three, two, I think two GoPros now. I had like a bunch. I sold some, but I've got two of the new ones now, the GoPro cameras, and I haven't used them in a while, but uh, maybe we should break those things out. You know? I think you should. And I think that taking some still photos would be great because I think that it can be all added into the special project that you're working on for the boys. Do you want to tell everybody about what you're going to do for them for this rest of the school year? What am I going to do? I don't remember. The special thing that has to do with photos that you're going to put into, I'm giving you some hand motions here. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Christine's uh, give me some clues. I was kind of having a brain fart. But um, but should I tell them? Yeah, tell them. I, are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? We can, we can, we can Come on. Do it. Have our, have our lawyer so we can talk about You're this? You're so funny. I think that it's, I think it's a great idea. I know that the kids do listen to the episode, so they'll find out. But it's something really fun that Chris came up with to do for the kids that we would love it if you did too. Okay, so I bet you everybody listening, your kids are probably home on homeschooling or what do you call it? The away from Remote school? learning. Remote learning thing, right? Which means that you're probably not going to have the same experiences at school as you normally would um, throughout a normal school year, including there's one thing that happens every single year at every single school um, that they hand out at the end of the year, and that is the high school. Oh, sorry, that is the school yearbook. Yes. Now they're probably not going to have one because the schools are closed, right? So I just I decided, why don't we create our own school homeschool yearbook? Because I think Costco or some places they'll do it online, get you the whole printout, uh, make it nice and neat, and you put the pictures in there, and you write everything out there, and you can have it for the kids to, to use during the uh, for the thing, you know? Yeah, and I think that that's mostly for middle and elementary school because high schools, all of their photos are done, and all of their fall sports would have been in already, and actually most of their spring sports they would have taken pictures of, and so. Um, I think that if you're an elementary or middle school parent, this would be a really fun thing to do. And you could do photo books through Walgreens. We're going to explore options. We'll talk about it as we go on. But Chris has a whole plan to do like full on school photos here yeah, at do, home. Yeah, just get your phone out, take a picture of it, upload all the photos. I think you can capture them. I mean, do captions underneath the uh, pictures in the book of like high school clown or high school clown or, 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 or valedictorian or whatever it could be. You make up your own list of uh, fun activities and you take the pictures of you guys uh, learning and you guys having fun at home and you put it into a book and you call it the homeschool yearbook. And we're going to do it, including all three of the boys and their experiences because they've been learning lots of fun different things um, whether it's from uh, building a fort out in the backyard to um, really big milestones with Legos to accomplishing new challenges when it comes to like Fortnite and things like that and um, baking. I mean, the, the list is endless. So we're going to have like a home economics section and it'll just be great. And we're really excited about it. Um, and another thing that we're really excited about is we have a special guest that is coming to us on the show today. He is a fascinating individual and a family man, and you are going to love him. And we are going to get into that interview right after this. 
Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. And welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, we have a very special guest from the Midwest. He is a tech genius, world traveler, theme park enthusiast, and super dad. I met this rock star just over 20 years ago during my first solo time living away from home. He was a great friend then and to this day. Welcome to the show, James Larson. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, you are in the Midwest, but more specifically, that's kind of a vague term. Yeah, so yeah, where are you actually located? I am in Kansas City, specifically Overland Park, Kansas, which is uh, on the course on the Kansas side of uh, Kansas City. So whenever people think of Kansas City, they usually think of Missouri. But yeah, I'm on the, the Kansas side. Oh, really? So uh, is that where the Chiefs play? They play in Kansas City, but they're on the Missouri side. So oh, I had no idea. <laughs> okay, now I have a question for you. So you just mentioned Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. Is there a rivalry? Because it's like the same town, but two states, right? It yeah, it's. I mean, they're they're technically completely different cities with their own different governments, but oh my gosh, there is such a rivalry. Uh, I mean, I grew up on the Missouri side, and I thought the Kansas people were like really weird. And now that I live on the Kansas side, strangely enough, I kind of think the Missouri people are really weird. Really? It's, it's yeah. It, m- it must just come with uh, living here. It's huh. like West Side Story, right there. Like right. size of town, <laughs> rival groups. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> Well, we have some fun questions for you today, James, but first we're going to do a little bit of a throwback into some college memories. So I think that all of our listeners should know James and I met in the year 1999, almost 2000. Wow. Well, it's like, it's like was, 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. Or yeah, was it now you're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we met at this tiny Christian university that I went to for one year. Okay. But James, you went for your entire education. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did four years there. In, and then I actually ended up staying in that area for like an additional eight years after graduating. So what, what part of the country was that at? That's a uh, Springfield, Missouri. So I mean, that is like when you think when you hear the Ozarks, like Springfield is the center of the Ozarks. Oh, really? Is that related to the Simpsons? Springfield? Yeah, they, from what I understand, like Springfield, like they took like aspects of all the 36 different Springfields that they are. And so like there were certain episodes that took things from that Springfield. But yeah, it was, it's, it was kind of funny. Now I moved to Springfield my sophomore year of college and you were a year or two ahead of me, I think, uh, in terms of where you were at in your schooling. But I remember going to Springfield and being from a really small town and being like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a big city. How was it for you? Oh, I felt like I felt the opposite. I felt like Springfield (laughs) was a really small city. And what's funny is that Kansas City is not even that big of a city. Uh, But Springfield's just so much smaller. I mean, it's like like what four exits along the highway as you drive through it versus, you know, big cities or, you know, 20, 30. Mm hmm. Yeah, so we went to, um, for all of our listeners, we went to this university called Evangel, and it's in the middle of the Bible Belt and super conservative. And James, you and I met in our first, in my first couple of weeks there, and I view you as one of my first real friends at Evangel. 
Oh, guys are buddies. Yeah, buddies. I mean, we kind of lost touch for a number of years, but I have done something for the purposes of this show, James. I went into the Christine archives to pull out. Oh, yes, she did. Let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, to pull out some photos. Well, I know you can't see him because uh, we're on the podcast, but uh, she's holding up right now some pictures and she's going to walk us through some of your photos from your past. Are you ready for this, dude? I I don't know if I am, but let's go. (laughs) Okay, so the first one, and I wanted you to talk about this memory, happens to be you standing on a stage with one of our friends from Concert Choir. You're wearing a white button-up shirt, a red belt that kind of looks like a pirate belt, and black pants, and the label on it is Opera (laughs) Scenes. Opera scenes. Does that bring up a memory for you? Oh my goodness! Yes, that was horrible. <laughs> I yeah. did. I took this class for one month, and the whole purpose of the class was like each person had to put on one scene from an opera. And I mean, I think looking back, I enjoyed it at the time, but man, that was a weird. That was a weird thing because I, I wasn't a music major at the time. I just really liked music, and so you know what strange thing to do than just go do opera. And do you remember what opera scene or what opera you focused on for that? I don't. Wait, you actually sang opera songs? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like each, each person like or a partner would, would act out a complete scene. And they had the, the, this school had like the tiniest little theater, maybe sat like 100 people at the most. Right. And yeah, my, I remember my scene was like I came from the back of this auditorium walking through the people to get up on stage. and well, That sounds yeah, pretty that, cool, though. That sounds kind yeah, like of like a boss, you know, cool. walking through there like, hey, check me out. Well, I do happen to remember what this specific opera scene was because I was in it um, off to the fringe, but I was one of the chorus girls and it was Pirates of Penzance. Ooh. Fancy pants. See, I don't remember this at all. And I have pictures. You will be getting copies of them (laughs) sent to you via email. Or or social media blasted (laughs) so everybody can enjoy. Oh, I'm all about having the embarrassing pictures. you've, You've reached that age where you have to acknowledge how ridiculous you were in your youth. Yes. Okay, so going off of the music theme, James... I have a group photo. Now, I happen to not be in my dress, but you are in a tuxedo and there's a whole bunch of gals that are uh, standing in it. One of them is Bethany, our dear friend, um, Sarah, and a couple of others. We're in our sparkly dresses. You're in your tux and there is an auditorium in the background. Looks like we just got done singing. Do you happen to know what that might have been about? Oh, that could have been any number of places because we went on those tours that were... Which tour were you on? I went... uh, So we were in a traveling concert choir together and I was on the... um, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Mississippi and Florida Panhandle tour. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, like each each one of those tours, you know, you'd have like eight to ten stops. How far would you go? Like you travel, how many miles was it? Well, it it depends. Like some years when I was in it, we would have a a tour that was an entire four weeks long and we'd cover like eight thousand miles. The the longest one I went on, we went from Springfield all the way out to LA, all the way up to Seattle, and then made our way back. Was that all on a a bus? All on a bus. Fun times. I, it Greyhound, was horrible. Huh? Like looking back, I would never do that. But it was so much fun doing it then. It was so much fun. So I remember um, just 
we went on this two week kind of spring break loop. And I think that this photo was from it looks like it was one of the places in Oklahoma that I remember. But um, we would stop Chris, we would go to these different churches primarily that we would sing in and then we oh, okay and then the church members would host us in their homes if we weren't wait in your home wait, in their homes you would actually perform for them live in their living room no we'd perform at a, <laughs> like an auditorium and then we would stay the night at these uh very kind strangers homes oh okay oh, and you know you either you either like struck gold and had like the most awesome family or you had like the get me out of here as quickly as possible family you sleep in the barn is what you're sleeping <laughs> uh basically i i did sleep in a outhouse that had no what? air conditioning one time like an actual porta potty no so like just like a house outside of it so uh, okay like basically i think of a shed a shed that oh, they set okay. up a bed in okay like a she shed (laughs) yeah i do remember that staying with one of those very dear families it was an elderly couple was my first ever experience eating grits in the actual south of the united states so did you have any weird experiences when you were on tour with concert choir oh so many foods that i would never eat again (laughs) um all parts cooked, of, right? Parts of, yeah, all cooked, but like parts of animals that I don't think should be eaten, but people really? do. Yeah, really? or parts of animals that people convince you that are really normal for people to eat, and then uh, you, you eat it, and then they tell you you're the butt of a joke. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I just wanted to share some of those fun college memories. I have a bunch of other photos of us bowling, going out to eat at Ruby Tuesdays and other restaurants across the street. Total from BFS. Um, and with different groups. But all that to say, um, and I don't think I've ever done this, but thank you for being my very first friend when I was branching out on my own, feeling lonely. You were and continue to be one of the kindest people I've ever met. Oh, thank you. My it's pleasure. Always try. Oh, so speaking of Evangel, what did you actually major in in college? It wasn't choir, was it? Well, um, it started out that way. I started out as a music education major, and then I discovered I had no hope of ever being able to play the piano. So I switched to computer science, and my my dad kind of pressured that. My my dad basically, you know, gave me the ultimatum of I'll pay for you getting a degree I think is useful. I won't pay for something that I don't think is. And oh, so yeah, no, looking uh, back, it was probably the right thing. Because I mean, my, my real talent was working in technology. So it kind of forced the uh, forced me to make the decision towards uh, doing doing something more lucrative and more that has more of a career for me. Of course. So I do remember you being super tech savvy. Um, does has that transitioned you into a career in the tech industry? You know, honestly, yeah. What what I do now is basically an extension of what I did at uh, at Evangel, just on a on a larger scale. I back at Evangel, like when we were there, you know, it, the whole the whole campus had like one and a half megs of internet access. So like, not enough to. For the even everybody? watch a Netflix stream for split up across a thousand people, and so like we had we had this project to to make that a big ten megs and then give wow. everyone internet access and and you know and now I I don't have a site in my company that has less than, or has any uh, anything less than uh, ten times that. So it's, speaking of which, what do you what do you broadcast? What is your home uh, internet? How fast are you at, at home? 
So I yeah I have cable, but I've so I've got like nine sixty down and forty up. Um, Whoa! Not not great because like if I not live like two two blocks north of me, we have Google or they have Google Fiber. And, oh wow! I live in more of in a neighborhood that uh, Google said uh, we're not going to be cabling you because your houses are too far apart. And so, oh, but okay. they've got one gig up, one gig down, and it's incredible. Crazy. And they they only pay like fifty dollars a month. Well, that is something that we've been wrestling with, especially now that we have the kids uh, engaging in at-home learning and we're all on simultaneous Zoom calls. So Chris just had um, AT&T as our provider come out and upgrade our internet to a whopping, what was it, like 75, Chris? Right. <laughs> I think I think the problem is that I think it's fiber to the streets. And from where our house is at, it's like a, to a block behind the nearest box. And from that box to the neighborhood, it's copper. So they can only do, it's not, D, it's, a, it's not quite DSL, but it's like a combination of both. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. I've, they've had, they have that technology around here. It's actually an option here. Um, but we opted to go with the, the cable company system. Okay. But I mean, they, they both have their benefits. Um, our problem is, is that now with the whole neighborhood working from home, like we never right. actually see our full, uh, full gig, but at least it's, at least it's, it's been reliable. I don't know what I, I don't know what people around here would have done without good, reliable internet access. Dial up, every, yeah. Everyone here is working, uh, from home. Well, I do remember how it was in college and, uh, I don't think that I've shared this with you before, Chris, but how it was set up is we'd had, we had dorm floors and at the end, if we were lucky, we had a bank of four or five computers that we could log into <laughs> and we could do like, well, it was AOL IMing at that time. Perfect. Or there was like two computer labs on campus where you could go and like on the DL, like make your, well, we didn't do mixtapes, but it was like burn CDs with like compilation CDs. You were allowed to do that on campus? Well, I don't want to incriminate myself. I don't know if we were allowed to, but I did. Uh, yeah, I don't think we were, but I, I think we kind of set people up with some access that they probably shouldn't have had. <laughs> right. I mean, this school, I, I mean, I love my experience there, but they were so strict. Right. So ridiculous about things like looking back. Such a such a bubble. Right. Like uh, only certain days of the week when you could have individuals from the opposite gender in your dorm room, but the the dorm room door had to stay 90 degrees open. One person could sit on the bed, but the other person could be at the desk and both feet firmly planted. Like those are the rules, Chris. Oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll enjoy that. <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful time. Yeah. You know? It's so, yeah. So strange. Like, like I, I want to know if it's still like that there, but at the same time, I don't really want to go back. I bet everybody's on this high speed Wi-Fi now. Everything's Wi-Fi. Everything's wireless. Everything's. Hey, speaking of gadgets and things like that, are, you say you're pretty tech savvy. Are you the kind of guy that has to always gland into the um, newest phone or tablet or computer? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, with being no working in tech, so like that's actually kind of good because. I, I can usually use that as an excuse to get my company to pay for me to have. Well, there you, you know, go. You know, because the, the idea is, you know, our executives are going to want to have this latest, greatest. So at least somebody needs to, to have one to test it out and make sure it works. So, yeah, so, I always I always have the latest iPad, iPhone. And then, you know, when the next one comes out, I, I buy whatever the residual value of that the old one is and then give it to, give it to my kids. So it sounds like you have a pretty sweet gig when you talk about the company and the executives wanting it. What is it that you actually do within the tech space now? 
So I am I operate as a as an IT architect for a reinsurance company. It's it's basically insurance for insurance. Really a strange industry, but uh, but our company is based at our headquarters in Paris, France, and we have locations through about thirty seven different countries. And so uh, I help manage. Uh, I'm one of the the managers within the IT group there. So what does an IT architect do versus like? a regular building architect, if you could draw that parallel. So yeah, if you think of like, like say somebody has a new system that they, or something new that they want to accomplish, there's, you know, you have, you have like the, the programmers and people that will come together and, and write up requirements. Well, on the, at the same time, we have to, somebody has to look at, you know, this is what this application is going to do. And we have to figure out what it's going to run on. So like when we actually talk like the, the actual physical servers or if it's hosted somewhere in the cloud uh, and things like that. And so that's what that's what my group's uh, responsible for is, is basically figuring out, you know, where we can put meet capacity, make it make it optimal for the company and th- and think about weird things like, you know, uh, latency across the globe, because if we've got somebody in Australia trying to access something in the U.S., uh, it, it takes a long time for for things to get over the internet there. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that because um, with everybody being home in, in Zoom, is their stock has like gone skyrocketed? You know, everybody's using Zoom meetings for all their stuff. Um, do you find problems with that software like crashing or trying to figure out new ways to make it, like I said, latency to kind of fix those kind of problems? You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the newer, like the newer technologies, do a really good job with latency. Uh, like uh, our company, we we use Microsoft stuff for everything. So Microsoft has their old Skype, and it's terrible. But now oh, they have really? Teams, <laughs> and Teams does a really good job of accounting for latency. And so you know, I actually was in a call uh, all night two nights ago with people from uh, our Singapore office, and as well as people from our Mumbai office. Just and it's it's a real it's real time. You don't really feel the the whole the the fact that there is you know they are on literally the opposite side of the globe. Uh, so it, modern technology is amazing, and what what Zoom and Microsoft and WebEx have done in the last eight weeks is it's incredible. Some of these some of these companies have grown their infrastructure on the on a scale of ten to fifty times wow. uh, in a short period just to accommodate all these people working from home. Of course. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, you mentioned Mumbai and Singapore and that your company is based in Paris. So do you get to, for work purposes, travel a lot internationally, typically? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, I did. We'll, we'll see what we'll see how um, this uh, current situation uh, affects that in the future. But normally I would travel uh, about 12 to 15 times a year uh, to one of our different offices, uh, very rarely in the United States. So I mean, we have we have several offices in the U.S., but typically my, my trips are to uh, Paris, London, Zurich, and Singapore. So with that being said, do you speak any other languages? No, and I actually I feel like I'm less fluent in like understanding other languages than I was before, mostly because our company, like everything is English. So everyone oh, has to speak good. English. All contracts are in good English. Good for them. Good for them, I say, you know. <laughs> but if not, I guess you can pull up the old Google Translate app on your phone. Oh, my gosh. I live on that. Like, I, I pretty much always have that or the, the Microsoft Translator open all the time because I'm getting emails in oh, French really? all the time. Oh, wow. So you just click on it and magically translate it for you? Yeah. And it's actually, some of these are, are fairly accurate. 
Well, what does um, it do I'm, about what does it do about the canoe uh, in English? We have a lot of slang terms that they don't adjust for on their end. How's that co- uh, figure that out? Uh, it's they're getting better. So sometimes I'll be like, "Is that really what like what you meant to say?" And right, they'll, right. They'll come back with me because the nice thing is is that even if that email was written in uh, another language, I can always go back to the person and ask for you know some clarification on something. That's or awesome. it, or it's an opportunity to play the dumb American and be like, oh, <laughs> of I don't understand that. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like you have a super interesting job. And we always love hearing about different types of careers, especially that are so different from Chris and I. But we want to know a little bit more about some of your unique interests. And we know you're all grown up from college and a big family guy now. And I have heard and I've seen on social media that your family has a really unique hobby that has to do with amusement parks. How did you get started with your theme park enthusiast facet of your life? Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. As a kid, personally, I always loved riding roller coasters and going to theme parks. I mean, I probably had only been to like three or four of them as a kid. And then after I after we got married, we my wife and I went on a vacation one summer and I got sick right after the first ride. And oh, really? so I took about an an 8 year absence from doing anything, but then my my son came along and he discovered, you know, in, even in the earlier days of YouTube, he discovered roller coaster videos. Oh yeah, on YouTube. I love those. And and he loved watching them. And so then once he, you know, so it became something of, you know, once he could go to Silver Dollar City, which is one uh, a really good theme park that's uh in Springfield, Missouri, or near Springfield, Missouri, I would go with them. I would take as much Dramamine as I could, and I would ride the rides with them. And it was fun to watch them, ex- you know, enjoy that. And then as the, as my daughter got older, I would she would ride, and then you know we we would we would just stick to the the amusement parks that are near us. And then one time, I got an email from this uh, organization called American Coaster Enthusiasts, and. I we joined as a family because they were having a convention nearby, and we went to this convention at uh, again Silver Dollar City. Okay, and I, I got to meet all these other people from around the world that had come in just to you know there was a brand new roller coaster that had opened up there, and it was it was just fun. It was people that had similar interests. You know, sometimes some of them took it way further than I did, but then slowly all of my kids like just absolutely loved it and we we found it as a reason to, you know, we go on trips looking for, you know, what theme parks can we hit along the way and That's uh, awesome. still still have fun. Now, when you said your kids started doing it, at what age was it when they hit the height requirement or were they at a certain age they started doing it? Uh, height requirement. So like my for my for my oldest, it was more of once we we actually took him. I think like at like age four. But my youngest, uh, he rode his first kids coaster at about two. Yeah, mine too. And, um, have you have you ever been out to Disneyland out here? Yes, yes. My that was that was probably my son's very first uh, amusement park to go to. Now, what do you think of the Disneyland um, roller coasters? Are they too tame for you? You think, or you kind of you know them? they. For me, yeah, I would say that I'm over them, but they do do some really cool things. Uh, and they've got some new ones coming, at, like at Disneyland and Disney World, that make me actually want to go back to them. Uh, yeah, but, they're, you know, more, I was... they're more for like the more entertainment factor, I believe, in, uh, embodied with the coaster, not just thrill and like make you vomit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's and I it took me a while as an enthusiast to like to figure out yeah, there is a place for something that's not just going to make you be terrified. Uh it's something that's just fun or has a great theme around it. And so there there's definitely two sides of the of the amusement industry, the and and while I f- tend to be more of the thrill-seeking side, uh I I do have an appreciation for the others. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned something a minute ago that I wanted to ask about. You said a roller coaster enthusiast convention. Now, in San Diego, every year, we have this thing called Comic-Con. And it's like all of the people that really nerd out. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this little thing. Yeah, they nerd (laughs) out on things related to, well, everything related to comics. Is it kind of like that at your coaster conventions? And if so, like, what's that experience like? It, it's kind of like that, except, you know, not nearly as big of a scale. I mean, at, at one of these, you know, they'd be lucky to have 200, 300 people um, show up to these conventions. But if it's hosted by a park, like if it's a if it's a convention that's in season, it'll usually end up being like a couple meetings during in the morning or in the evening. And then people get to ride rides all day. And then when the park closes, everyone that's part of the convention gets a special pass to stay Ooh. after for, for what we call ERT, which is extended ride time. Uh, so oh, that's that, when oh. like a, a coaster would be open just for your group. You know, I did that once. I did that once um, at Magic Mountain here in um in LA area, uh, it's, it's a Six Flags theme park. Oh, I love Magic Mountain. And um, they opened the new Superman ride. It was one that shot you out real fast and like mm-hmm. shot, shot you up and dropped you back down like in a car. And um, when I bought, uh, I had a season pass one year and I bought a season pass and with the season pass, they promised you that you will get to experience that new ride kind of like that during that year well it was a late open so what they did was like the following off season like it was january or whatever for like a single day they let pass holders come up there just to ride that one ride like once or whatever so we all got to go up there just for the saturday just to ride that ride like once or twice and that was it it was kind of fun kind of the same thing Yep, yep, that's exactly what it is. And it's it's a blast because if it's a smaller convention, so like for example, last summer I did uh an event that was at this park in uh in Pennsylvania called Kennywood and there were only 30 of us and we had this ride for 2 hours. And with 30 30 people and a and a a park or a ride that only seats 32 we just nobody ever got off. Something like what wow. we would just do is just get up and switch seats. And so I think we wrote it like fifty times in a row. It was amazing. So with your love of amusement parks, is there like a grading system? So I used to do like indoor rock climbing and with all the different surfaces, there's like different levels of difficulty or complexity. Do you guys have a ranking system for roller coasters? Oh, it's it's such a, uh, a subjective thing. I mean, everybody has like their, you know, this is my top 10 roller coasters. And, you know, no two people in the entire enthusiast community would have the same top 10. Because everybody, you know, it, depending on your size, certain roller coasters may ride differently. You know, if, if you're fat, the restraint might hurt you more if you're, than oh, if yeah. you're skinny. And, I guess you can't be fat. Or if you're tall, you might bang your head more. And so it, it's, it's completely, it's one of those things that's completely subjective. I mean, there are, there are ranks uh, and awards that are, are given every year uh, to the, you know, what are considered the best coasters. Uh, but, you know, those are usually just, you know, what, what people think and averaged out. 
And it, you don't have to agree with that. Well, isn't there like a ranking? I know some theme parks have a ranking of difficulty level. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the five, this is the one. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Especially like yeah, the, like your Six Flags and your Sea Worlds. They'll have they'll have a ranking of you know that says you know this is an extreme thrill ride. This is an aggressive ride. Uh, but you know so the same ride at the at two different Six Flags parks might have a different rating. And so that's it's one of those things that just kind of depends on the audience of the uh, theme park. So we have a very important question for you. You are our resident expert on amusement parks and on roller coasters. Now, with much of the country on a shelter-in-place order, we know that people are feeling cooped up. The thing that we know is going to happen after the quarantines are over is everybody wanting to be outdoors. Amusement parks will eventually start to reopen. What would be your top four or five must-visit amusement parks for other roller coaster enthusiasts so it changes every year but so this year the 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 one to go to once everything opens is going to be bush gardens in tampa uh, oh, they, I've heard have, of it. they have a new roller coaster that is actually an old roller coaster that's been re redone and it is it was supposed to open literally like the day that they ended up shutting down the park uh for for the uh, shelter in place and so it's probably the most uh, anticipated ride of the year, but you know that it's and I've been there before. It's a fantastic park, but then there's also there's Cedar Point that is it's a, located in Sandusky, Ohio. I mean this I think this entire city is built around this theme park. It's a it's a it's a, a peninsula that is just covered in roller coasters. I've, I believe they have 18 roller coasters wow. uh, there and they're all, you know, pretty big ones. I think they only have uh, only two of those are, are kids coasters. Uh, it, it, like I, my first visit was this last last year and uh, we, we actually have a plan that as soon as the parks open up, we're, we're going to go back to Cedar Point um, as, as long as we, you know, we feel like it's safe. Uh, also up there, Magic Mountain, which you already mentioned. Yes. That's just a great park. It, I um, think they got the same thing. They were just like every year, they were just busting out a new roll coach. Like, where'd they come to that one? And where do you find pl- some room on the you know, land to put that thing? Because <laughs> they're just stacking them on top of stacking them, you know? Oh, yeah. That place is insane how many they have in there. Now, I'm wondering, as we're talking, you know, we have these essential um, industries that are allowed to continue working, and construction is one of them. I wonder if theme park construction would fall under essential and if so what these theme parks have planned for us when they reopen you know i i think that it, it depends on the state like so there's a there's a roller coaster under construction in new jersey that i've been following and at the beginning of all of these uh lockdowns construction in general was considered a essential service and then they discovered oh well they're still building roller coasters that's <laughs> not exactly essential and so the the governor of new jersey actually made a very specific call out to this is the type of construction that is essential so like most of the theme parks all construction has has completely ceased oh man and so I yeah i think so yeah it's like well and it's going to be a Go ahead. It's going to be a tough few years for the, the for the theme park industry. They're going to they're going to hurt for a while, and so there's it's going to be a few years of probably not a lot of new things. 
Oh, that's unfortunate because they bring so much joy to so many families. And, you know, all of our thoughts go out to the entire theme park community and amusement park community, as well as everybody else that's um, kind of lost work for right now. Um, But thank you for sharing about your love of amusement parks. And I do have uh, something else I would like to know a little bit more about because I think this will be of particular interest to Chris. What's that? So... James, you just celebrated a big birthday a couple of weeks ago, correct? Yes. Okay. I turned 40. That's a big birthday. This this guy. (laughs) But I saw that you bought yourself a legendary birthday present. What was that? Yeah. So I I bought myself a BMW M Roadster. What? An M car? Yeah. what's, What's funny is that right after my wife and I got married... We bought a a 2001 BMW M Roadster. Okay. And so about four months after we bought it, she ended up pregnant and I ended up selling it and we got a minivan. So it was, oh. it was like going from this That's completely awesome car. That's not fair at all, man. The, well, that was the deal I made. I just didn't you know, <laughs> think about the timing. And so once I turned 40, I talked to my wife and it, it was actually kind of a funny way of convincing her and, and, and getting her to agree with it. Cause I, one of the things that I said that I, I will do if you let me buy this new car is I'll get our garage doors fixed because <laughs> you my wife somewhere. had over, over the, like, like almost two years ago had backed in within a matter of a month had backed into both of our garage doors and breaking both of them from being able to work with the garage opener oh, no. but you know sometimes husbands get really stubborn about silly things and or just want to want to do things to be funny and so i just we just didn't fix it and we made it a thing where you had to get out so once it came time for me wanting a new car it was uh that was my my one bargaining chip is that we'll, we'll get the garage doors fixed if, if you let me get this new car Oh, that sounds so fun. And Chris loves cars. So I when I saw that coming up on social media, I was like, oh, I have to have to ask James about that. What's the oh, story it's, behind it's it? It's a fun car. Uh, I I had wanted and actually had a deposit on a 2020 Corvette. <gasps> and was that the C8? Just, just with the economy, I decided I was like, this is probably not the time to be spending that much money on a car. And so we got, you know, the, the M Roadster was a lot more affordable. And, really? Uh, I thought it was yeah. gonna get up there. Well, I mean, it's a it's an older it's an older one, but it's in oh, uh, pristine okay, okay. condition. It it right. only has like twenty five thousand miles on it, and it's oh, wow. 12, 12 years old. Oh wow! Um, is that the one with the V eight or the straight six? It's a straight six. So is it the M four yeah. that has a V eight? You can get. Yeah, I think so. I think the the M four has it. So this is basically it's the Z four, uh, just in a Roadster version, or Z four just with the M. Uh, is equipment. that like the new Supra then? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's basically the same thing as a new Supra, except the Supra doesn't have a uh, convertible. Oh, okay. That's so awesome. Well, I saw on your post when you had brought it home and you were putting on some kind of a clear coat and clay barring it. I was telling Chris, because those are the things that he does with his Nissan 370Z. Yeah, it's been a while, though. So let me tell you. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, oh. I had never done anything like that. And, I, you know, we're all stuck at home. We have this fantastic tool called YouTube where everyone has filmed themselves doing these random things. And so you can you can teach yourself how to do these things. And so, yeah, I I, I have never detailed, but I figured out exactly what I needed to buy. And I detailed out the car and then eventually uh, did the, the full ceramic treatment on it. That's so fun. Well, James, thank you so much for being with us today. Where can our listeners find your family's theme park adventures on Twitter and YouTube? 
Yeah, so on Twitter, we are uh, at Larson Loopers, L-A-R-S-O-N-L-O-O-P-E-R-S. And we're actually the same on YouTube. That's so, awesome. And I saw that you have not just theme park adventures, but some of your global travels, like your most recent trip to the Maldives and other things too, right? Yeah, I, I've found that videotaping things and putting them up online, it's just, it's just kind of fun. And it's, it's just something neat to do. And, and I, think, I think YouTube videos will become like the new family movies. Definitely. And so for all of you that are staying at home right now, trying to think about where you want to go and travel once we are out of this shelter in place slash quarantine state of affairs, log on to Larson Loopers on YouTube, take a look at some of their adventures and chart out what the next adventures are for you and your family. And thanks so much, James, for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, James. Hey, guys, what's up? It's the J-Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new odd podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We and talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And Even YouTubers. Stuff and YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. 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 Hey, well, that was a nice little interview, wasn't it, Christine? It was. It was so much fun catching up with my friend James from college. And, you know, like I've told you before, Chris, out of all of my college experience, going to Evangel was like my favorite college memory. I wish that I would have been able to stay there longer, but I got sick and had to come home. Oh, now you and James, you guys never dated, did you? No, we were just like brother and sister. We were really good friends. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody. Now, coming up next, we have for you guys, this is when we bring the show back to you guys. This is our official Shout Out Central. Woohoo! And we hit a big milestone this week that we want to celebrate with you all. Our reach is expanding in the podcast, and we hit a new mark of having 20 countries as listeners. Whoa, 20 countries around the world. Yes. Now, not all of them listen every week, but we always keep track of it. Like I've said we've before, we have this little map that we like to scratch off. So we're going to be scratching off our new country of the week, which is Poland. Hey there, Poland. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate this. We do. And thank you so much for our listeners from Spain, Ireland, Canada, and all over the United States, which I think that we are at 37 or 38 states in our country so far. It's starting to get hard to keep track of all this. Stuff. I know. <laughs> but we're gonna bring we're gonna shout out a few of the new ones that popped up that I just noticed this week. And the first one I got on my list is shout out to North Hollywood, California. Woo-hoo! Thank you to all the movie stars that are listening to our podcast. <laughs> we really appreciate that. And Next one we got on the list is thank you, Joplin, Missouri. Ooh, I used to go to Joplin a lot when I was in college, when I went to school with James, because when I would come back from the airport in Kansas City, you had to drive through Joplin on your way to Springfield. Oh, thank you, Joplin, for listening. We really appreciate you. Now, next we got is New Alexandria from Pennsylvania. Thank you for listening. That's a new city we noticed. Mm -hmm. And last one I got on my list is... This place, uh, I'm assuming they like it really hot, super hot, that they named their town Burnsville, Minnesota. Do you think that it's super hot or they just like to be sarcastic and they like to burn people like, oh, that was a good burn. That's horrible. That's horrible. Like physically put someone on fire? No, burning like like a burn, like a burn joke, like... Oh, okay. I get you. I get you. I don't know. But Burnsville, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. 
Definitely. And this has been another great episode. Thank you all for sticking with us. Uh, Definitely check us out on our link tree. Uh, You can find that link on our Instagram account, which is K2 Show San Diego. You can find us on Twitter at K2 Show San Diego. Find our Facebook page, The Chris and Christine Show. Definitely subscribe, follow, and share. And we just appreciate you so much. Right, Chris? We sure do. And we will see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.